Not everything metal was created equal. What an ugly thing to say. The Metal Sucks Podcast. Shiggity Chuck and Godless attempt to bring order to chaos or just make stupid jokes about dumb people. Stupid. A person below normal intelligence. This is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Greetings and salutations, my fine yeah! metal friends, and welcome to another edition of the Metal Sucks Podcast. How you doing? I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is your weekly examination oh. of all things metal, the Metal Sucks Podcast. Make sure you are subscribed to us. You can find us all over the place, whether it's uh, Stitcher, iTunes, wherever you get your goddamn podcast, make sure you look up Metal Sucks Podcast, <laughs> and you will find us. Leave us a couple of stars, tell us we suck, you can tell Please. your friends about us, you know, whatever, man. Whatever, whatever makes you happy, dude. Why? Because... I don't know. We love you. We do. I've said it before. I'll say it again. There's nothing better than talking about the podcast you just listened to with friends. Really? Yeah. I love doing that. <laughs> Actually, you know what? It is It is funny. Dude, all the time, like you, you reference it, stuff to people about something you listen to, and then they have no fucking idea what the hell you're talking about. Like, yeah, well, that you, sucks. You listen to what? Yeah, I feel like one of those like liberal douchebags when I talk about that story I heard on NPR about the whales. <laughs> Some shit like that, you know? No, it was this thing about the whales. Or, what did I, no, it was, what, I listened, it was about birds last night or something. It was like about bird calls. And I'm like, I am a fucking douchebag. I am, oh God, what the hell's happened to me? So tell your friends about the metal podcast. That'll give you a little more street cred than uh, talking about bird calls. I'll tell you that right now. Uh, and make sure you follow us on social media and all all that stuff. I'm at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks and Godless Speaks on Facebook. And if you uh, feel like throwing money at us, we would uh, be more than happy to pick it up off the ground, like uh, like like you know a stripper the day after. Oh, never mind. Um, you try to dip a little it, but dude, it really does help us out a lot. It does. It's helping us build a bunch of stuff that we're trying to build as we go along. It's and it's new. It's it's exciting, and it it lets us know that people give a shit. I love that. Yeah, Patreon.com/slash Chuck and Godless. So make sure you uh, get in there. You can subscribe for as little as a dollar a month uh, if you want to. If you if you want to, ChuckandGodless.com is the easy way to get there. So check that out. I would not belittle money. I I, uh, I enjoy money. Money is good, uh, and that's that's not a bad thing. <laughs> the truth is that like every dollar that's coming in is getting stuck right back into what we're doing to build this bigger, 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 my bigger, pants. better, 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 better all the it's time. It's yeah. going into my pants. That's what it's doing. So we can either like start talking to like, you know, get interviews with Avicii and, you know, Katy Perry and that sort of thing <gasps> for the audience, or people can start to support us like, uh, we can like big time on, on Patreon. We can interview Katy Perry. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh, I'm, <laughs> st- I'm totally down. I think I totally think that's what we need to do. I think it'd be awesome. <laughs> This, what, what would be? I don't. I don't even understand what's wrong with that. I think that would be a good thing. That's true. I'm. I'm not saying it's not wrong, but I'm just saying that if you don't want that to happen, you probably ought to hook us up. Somewhere. You know, I want to talk to Lady Gaga about uh, about American Horror Story and 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 why she likes Iron Maiden so much and and the, what kind of makeup she uses and stuff. It'd be oh, it's so cool. It'd be so great. I can't actually. Lie. That would, that would be an, all these interviews would be interesting. Why don't we? Take back everything I just said. All Let's right. see if we can set those up. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a great uh, interview in this episode with Dan Tompkins from Tesseract. We've interviewed uh, Moss before from Tesseract, and you know he was he was just an awesome guy. Uh, and Dan, I, I figured that the, I don't know what to, I didn't know what I was expecting with Dan, uh, and and how it turned out was 
pretty awesome. He was such a nice dude. He was such a nice, relaxed guy. I, it kind of put me at ease. And he seemed very, very comfortable with sharing. And that that's what makes an interview. You need somebody who is actually okay with telling you what he really thinks. It, he felt yeah. genuine, and he felt candid to me. And I, I, I really enjoyed this interview in the wake. And, and the new album is fantastic. If you haven't heard it, I'm not a proggy guy, but my God, it's a fun, fun listen. It's so different than what they've done before, too. And that's kind of what's crazy, yeah. is that I feel like it's, a, it's definitely different than what we've heard from Tesseract. It's a different look. It's a lot softer. It's definitely not metal. Um, it is it is progressive, and but it d- it does not disqualify it like at all. I lo- I still love it. It's great. So we're gonna hear a track off of the new Polaris record. Also gonna hear something new from Windhand that uh, that Godless can't stand. Um, so uh, it's not that I. It's just. It- yeah you know at this point come on people i'm gonna force you, know you. I, mean? I don't care i'll i will profess my love for this uh all day long so it's all good we can we don't have to see eye to eye on everything and we're also I'm, going to talk I'm, I'm cutting you off right there sorry no you're not, <laughs> nope you can bitch about it later you're not going to get in any, any right. word in uh, uh and we're also going to talk about uh money and metal uh recently an article came out about uh one of the dudes from neobla viscaris who quit his six-figure job so that he could go on tour with the band. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? What the fuck is wrong with yeah. you, dude? Now, mind you, he's Australian, so six figures doesn't go that far. So he's well, Australia. You know? it, it goes farther than my four figures that I'm making right now. So, I mean, shit. Come on, dude. I mean, But it's a, it's, he's really given up something. It's not like he's like yeah. a programmer who can get another job. He's like a train conductor. There's yeah. like three trains in all the world left, you know? Well, and I think it's like he's a, one of the drivers. Isn't that like a state job? Uh, I mean, technically, isn't that like a... Yeah. Uh, something like that but i don't know we'll, we'll talk about that in the back half of the show because it kind of ties into an interview that dan tompkins did with metal hammer but let's do the one he did with metal sucks right now okay dan tompkins the lead singer of tesseract on the metal sucks podcast hey what's going on dan how you doing it's uh chuck and godless from the metal sucks podcast man good to hear from you man how's it going Oh, pretty good so far, so far. Uh, hey, Dan, can you address the rumor that you're back in the band because Century Media wanted a hot chick for the singer and the the band decided they'd rather have you? <laughs> I'm a good replacement for a hot chick, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but but it seems uh, like, no, I mean, I, with I, the I'm split with the, the label... <laughs> Yeah, it's because I'm I'm making it up. I'm trying to see of if I can start man. something. Of course, you're blatantly trying to start a fight here, aren't you? Yes, yeah, right <laughs> out of right out of the gate. That's that's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> how you doing, man? No, seriously, how you doing? How's it going? Very good, thanks. It's the end of the day here, so I've been uh, teaching, demoing, uh, lots of things going on. Trying to prep for the Tesseract tour starting next week. So yeah, lo- lots of things happening. Lots of prep. So the teaching thing, I mean, how do you, how can you handle that with your voice? I mean, I, I've, I've been a vocal student before and I know how that can be. It's one thing to teach guitar all day, or it's one thing to teach drums while you're on tour or do that. But, but your voice, it, it's always felt like it's kind of a finite resource when, when it comes to performance, how, how are you able to keep that solid? I mean, is that just part of the process? Oh, dude, it's, it, it is hard. You have to condition your voice. Um, it's something that I don't really do enough of, to be honest. 
<laughs> so um, I should take a leaf out of my own book, really. Um, but yeah, like teaching all day, it, it really does wear your voice down. But there are ways around it. It's um, I don't want to bore you with the technique or anything, but it's just um, it's just ways of balancing the pressure on your voice and um, knowing how to cope with that. I think. Well, because I saw that you were doing, you're going to do like master classes and stuff on your tour and stuff like that. It's like, damn, that's got to be rough to do that during the day. And then, oh uh, yeah, well, you know, to start with, it was it was pretty much a necessity. I'll, I'll be very honest, like doing it on tour, it was the only way to really come back home with with some profit, really, to pay the bills. Um, so that's that's how it all started, and um, slowly I just kind of like grew grew to really enjoy it. And now it's um, it's a fully fledged business, so I'm kind of really happy with that. And it's kind of, it's kind of weird as well because as soon as you become a vocal coach and you're an active singer as well. You're already under under the microscope, but now it's even more so because people are like yeah. critiquing the technique and saying, "Oh, you don't do this, you don't do that," and it's like, "Wow, yeah, completely under the microscope at the minute." But um, no, I really really enjoy it. It's great, and it helps me to keep keep me on top form as well, which is which is great. Yeah, I guess that's true. If, it's really like a an extended warm up kind of thing. Yeah. If you want, for the rest of this interview, we'll just ask you yes and no questions. <laughs> <laughs> you know, save your voice. <laughs> it really does it really does get to that point when you're on tour i, I specifically remember um like just not talking at any point during during the last couple and just like writing notes down on a notepad and that sounds really diva-ish doesn't it like i'm not talking i'm gonna write you a note but no you really have to do take care of your voice to that extent and it's it's, it's, it's partly a reason actually why i've um i've kind of stepped away from from the screaming lifestyle because i've kind of discovered that I, I, I want I want to be the best singer that I can be, and I find that if you want to scream and sing at the same same time, there's a lot of give and take, and you can't really excel, in my opinion, to the best of your ability doing both unless you focus on one. Mm. It's like anything. I mean, th- there are lots of exceptions of you know exceptional, supernatural people that that can do both effectively. Um, but my problem is is that I've always pushed myself to my very limit in order to get noticed, which is the wrong way of going about it. You know, I should have really focused on developing character in a more comfortable place in my voice. But instead, I just went into the studio and just did the most difficult stuff I could do in order order to be noticed. And now it's kind of like I've now had to step up my game to be able to sing my own stuff live, which is... um, which is another reason why Polaris is actually a bit of a tamer record because I want to be able to do it justice live. Yeah, and you don't want to have to push it like to just completely push yourself that that hard. Yeah. Did you tell the guys? You're like, hey, uh, you, you can have me back, but you're you're not. You know, we're gonna Millie Vanilli <laughs> the screams if you want if you want the screams. Uh, well, it, it wasn't like that at all. But I think um, there was definitely some kind of like this. Uh, dis- there was a discussion, like you know. I'm getting a bit older now and I'm finding it quite hard to maintain the screaming lifestyle. And to be honest, we were already going to step away from that. I mean, when on the back of the, of the one tour, those, those second U S and Canadian dates we did, um, we were already demoing for altered state. And I've got countless demos of me singing ideas over all of those songs that were in altered state. And a lot of it was very melodic and, um, less screamy. So yeah, interesting stuff. So how does the rest is of the band any- feel about that? I mean, is that is that something that they're or like okay, we're they're ready to sort of do the same sort of thing, or was it purely like to- a, a totally vocal choice? No. Totally not bothered. You know, they're very they're very good. the guys are awesome for allowing creativity in the vocal department, and I think I think that's the best way to be honest. Anyone that, that that restricts create creativity in a project is going to inhibit the band's success, in my in my opinion. So. 
you're, no, you're never going to be the best you can be unless you can really express yourself. This might sound weird, but I was just reading about... You remember the band Embrace? They had like a bunch of hits, like alternative hits, like yeah. uh, about 10 years ago. But they, I was reading about how like uh, when they were recording their albums, they brought in a producer who really had a different idea how those melodies were supposed to go. And they were like screaming fights between him and the vocals while the rest of the band was doing great, you know? And how did how do you tend to get along? along with the producers are they hands off or do you allow them to influence how the melodies go that's the beauty of tesseract is the, is the fact that it's all self-produced you know mm, ackle okay. will write the, the 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 majority of the music and we have a very natural uh, good friendship and working relationship so you know he gives me complete free reign whereas obviously we all give ackle free reign with the music and i think that's why it works for us but saying that, though, I mean, we, we have actually discussed, you know, taking the next record to um, one to, to a producer and, that, and actually try and record and write ideas in a studio environment before, before recording it. Because like we always have done is um, we'll write the music on a, because we're pressurized to commit, commit to a release date. So the music gets written by Ackle and then I have to cram my vocals on it. And I think we'd like to have a little bit more freedom to see what happens because I agree with that. I, I agree that bringing in external producers can, they can hear things that the band can't hear at times. You know, not always. Sometimes the band has a firm grasp on their direction, but I do believe that producers can add some flair. So it's a good point. All right, so that brings up the next thing, the songwriting. So the Sherman Brothers wrote all the like Walt Disney hits you know jungle book and mary poppins all that stuff they i remember reading an interview with them and they were talking about how they had the words first and then the melody came out of the words and then they wrote the music to fit the melody so it sounds like it's completely the opposite of the <laughs> songwriting flow it, you guys have it is it is and that that makes it kind of makes my job a little bit more difficult than it would otherwise because I think that there, there are two there, well, there are many ways of writing music and um, again this is some, something that we're already gonna we're already gonna have a go at is me writing you know just melodies to a click track a cappella and then letting Ackle uh, and the guys write music around the vocal line because one it's a good thing because it means that I'm gonna I'm gonna be singing in a comfortable place so I'm not having to match the key of a pre-written song Mm-hmm. So I'm already and, not going to have to push myself. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. And you get a better percentage of the publishing too. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, well, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, how, how do you, as far as like expressing your ideas and what the like what the meaning is in, in all of this stuff? I mean, I hate to ask like, man, what's the meaning of the song? But when you have an idea that you are working through and going, how do I make this sort of idea fit with the music that Ackles already put together? Is that difficult, or do you listen to the music and go, oh, this brings this idea? Is that is it, is it a just sort of a circular kind of thing? It varies, to be honest. There are some ideas that I listen to, and on a very first listen, that I have an impulsive reaction. And I, can, I, could, I can hear melodies just coming out, coming out of my head. You know, they're, they're just there. Even even with lyrics sometimes, and you know you're onto a really good song, a hooky song, if that happens from the word go. Sometimes it's difficult, like it can take a long time to draw out what you're looking for and you have to find external inspiration. Um, so, it, yeah, it varies. I think on, on Polaris, 
it was a very natural kind of reaction to the music really um i often go for long drives around the country and just soak in the atmosphere and try and clear my mind of you know the daily crap but um i find that inspiring that's just my way of coping and writing is getting out into the into the open and um getting inspired and one of the things I glommed onto, I think you put on your Facebook, was about Messenger, maybe, that said it was about the transient nature of universal truth, which uh, yeah. sounds that it's a, you know, I'm like, that's pretty damn deep right there. All right. You know, and um, I started drooling. I guess, <laughs> I guess we, you know, it can come across pretentious as well. And we don't, we don't ever mean it to, but some, sometimes we do have, have really interesting ideas, or, or maybe you could look at it another way and think that's a really trite, really boring idea to write, to write a song about. But, you know, I think. For me personally, like in the in my social surroundings and you know the way that I see people responding to the tone of how the media is delivered in the UK and even in America as well, I see it as well, is that the way that's delivered, I personally find if you're not careful, you can completely get sucked in by that and be narrowed down to a certain perspective and a certain outlook. And I think you've got to be very careful and try to understand what the narrative is in in the message because it's you know it's the reason why you only tend to hear bad things on the news isn't it you know it's, it's, it's dramatic there's never it's predominantly bad news and i think you know you have to understand you know who owns the media companies what's their agenda what are they trying 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 to achieve are they trying to you know spur a certain uh, government in a certain way you know it's um, you got to be really careful and you know i'm not talking about conspiracy theories i'm just trying to think think of it in a, in a very logical different perspective you know why is it that you're sometimes left feeling really negative about a certain type of person probably one of the well, one of the, mo- the more i guess more serious kind of songs I've, a lot a lot of the material on polaris is actually you know, based around, you know, real life experiences of some of some kind. But there are actually a few kind of like um non 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 fiction ideas or, or like interesting concepts like utopias based around, I don't know, if if I was to just put it into one word, insanity. <laughs> and there's a there's there's a really nice kind of um atta- attachment to that because we've we've all we've all on some level know someone that suffered with a mental disorder mm. or whether it be depression or, or whatever you know i used to be a police officer and i've i've, I've dealt with lots of people and seen how the men the mentally ill are treated and it, it's shocking at times and sorry sorry to get serious but i mean there's always a serious undertone in what i write about about and um I try not to be too serious because I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't want to keep it heavy, um, especially nowadays. As well, because I'm, I'm a different, I'm a different person. I used to be very serious and very cynical, um, coming straight out, out of the back of the police force. Because that's actually the period when I wrote the, the lyrics or the, the majority of the lyrics for one. So it was a very dark album. There were lots of serious thing, things going on there, and I think I've still retained that kind of attitude. But I'm, I'm, a, I'm a more positive in, in individual now, so I try to be a little, little bit more upbeat, I guess. When you said that you were singing about mental illness, I just figured it was a song about Ash. <laughs> well, no. No, hey, Ash is Ash is a top man, top man. You know, I'm, what what happened was just very unfortunate. You know, the way that they parted ways, it just wasn't working. Wanted different things. I know that sounds a very kind of generic response to that kind of you know question of why did Ash leave or what happened, but people some don't always get along you know and you yeah. and you don't normally realize that until a year into a relationship <laughs> and that's exactly what happened so you know well, when, it just when, really didn't work out when you talk about the transient nature of things 
are you married to Tesseract or are they just dating the ex-girlfriend again? Yeah, very much. I'm going to be leaving after the... No, I'm not really. <laughs> to, be, to be very honest with you, like it, it pained me to leave Tesseract. I, I didn't want to do it. It was it was such a hard decision to make, and it's very it really bums me out, or used to bum me out when you know very narrow minded, tunnel visioned fans and, and 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 people just see it at face value, and they don't know the behind the scenes, you know, reasons for things happening. And I invested everything into that band at, at the early stages, and it got so difficult for me to come home with no money and having to pay a mortgage and have a, and have a fiancé and all that financial kind of debt. I, I couldn't cope with it. Like, mm-hmm. I, li- I literally could not cope with it. I, I, was at, I was at the point where I was, gonna, I was struggling to pay bills. It was, it was really worrying. So, unfortunately, I had to make a decision and try and further my career in different areas and that was the main reason for leaving but you, just so happens that i became a vocal coach and i discovered that i could learn to live in a different way <laughs> so that's that's why it makes it that's why it's a lot easier to now come back to tesseract all of us having found a way to survive within the music industry you know metal works in pr i call masters and producers jay's you know he's, he's, he's he drums he teaches he he's a very good artist um amos is amos is just a an incredibly intellectual talented guy and um we're all happy we've all got families and loved ones and now we kind of like find ourselves in this position where we're all settled we've got a renewed energy within the band and we just want to settle down and write and work to the end of our careers now in tesseract like we have a long-term goal now we're going to take it as far as we can there's there's no second date in the ex-girlfriend this this is it now this is it's a solid lineup if I were the good-looking lead singer of a popular band, I would have just traded in the fiancé for somebody who made more money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all, all about the looks, mate. All about the looks. <laughs> well, no, that's great to hear that, you get, that you're actually feeling more stable. I mean, is that... Definitely, yeah. Uh, sounds like it was a tough, but, a tough road. But hold on, hold on. You can't go breeding before the next album because then the financial thing will become an issue again. <laughs> <laughs> no no we have that sorted it's all good i've got contingency plans now but no yeah we've we've I've, I've already got a kid he is he's nearly two years old now and um you know we would like to get, have have more children i'm sure that everybody else in the band is going to want children at some point so it just so happens that you know we're start, we're, we're now signed to a really good progressive label in the uk we're working with e1 in the states i think we've just licensed to ward records in, in japan got a great team around the band we've always had a long a long term term goal for it and you know even even reflecting the first week sales for you know for Polaris against even against Altered State you know we we've smashed it and we've even got into like the UK charts and you know we've got a high position in the Billboard charts in, in, in the rock charts and you know it's it's a really good sign a really good sign we're we're attracting a new fan base we're retaining an old fan base and mm-hmm. everything just feels really good you know we feel, we feel awesome. very very positive. Just waiting for See, the I other would, shoe to drop. Like, okay, what's, yeah, what's no, the, 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 are you are you a positive person about that, or is the, do you feel like there's something else like a, a foot? Yeah, well, you you, you want to hire a Vici to produce the next album. That's what you guys <laughs> want. Yeah, I gotta make sure those bills get paid. Yeah, I, to be honest, I don't I don't know how that that would ever work because 
part of the reason why, why why Tesseract sounds the way it does is because Ackle produces it, and it it would be, I think, if we had a record produced by somebody else, it would sound very different, and that may be too much of a risk, depending on how it sounded. So you know, we we may dabble in that, we may try working with other people, but unless it's still it's still Tesseract, we won't. Um, we won't move forward with anybody. Yeah, but when you compare the three records, the three full-length records across across time, they're, they're very varied. I mean, the, the, there's so many differences between them, whether you talk about this, you know, the harsh vocals versus the, the clean vocals or not. Mm. I mean, there's there's quite a it's it's gone it, it's in a it's interesting timeline, to say the least, like it, 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 it plays yeah, out yeah. a certain way. So, I mean, you guys can almost get away with that. I did a, an interview recently, and it, and it made me think about you know the, the Tesseract fan base, and I really do think that if you're a hardcore Tesseract fan, from what I can see, is that you you like to be challenged, whether that be on an on a, on a musical level or on a conceptual level, like what, what what the songs are about. And I see people taking different things from from the band all the time. I saw I saw it with one, I saw it with Alter State, and I'm seeing it now. And I even saw it with Sky Arbor, you know. It's um, it's a very, it's a very humbling experience to have such a diverse, dedicated fan base, and I think that's what a Tesseract fan is. It's someone that wants to be challenged. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that by us, you know, recreating ourselves and getting a new sound is a bad thing because I think people welcome it. Actually, you know, they understand that we're an, we're an, we're an evolving machine. You know, we're always going to sound a little, a little, a little bit different. And to be honest, we want to. Because what's the point in, in bringing out another altered state or another Polaris? We want to continually move forward and be, you know, and be accessible to people. You know, but also doing what, what we love. I mean, we, we never write music to conform to a certain sound or, or to be part of a genre. We do it because we love what we do. And it's always exciting. And unless you keep it fresh, you lose that excitement. So that's why we evolve. But then you're going to get those fans of one and altered state that are like, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. They, you can do that. You can do that with Zeta. You can do that with Sky Harbor. You can do that with uh, whatever. Pro- if you want to do a side project, go for it. That's what those are for. We want test to stay the same. It's always going to be the same, though, isn't it? Like, yeah. even if you listen to Polaris, it's still got that. It's still test mm-hmm. You can hear it. It's like some of my favorite albums are. Well, one of my favorite albums is El Cielo by a band called Dredge. And you listen to that album and, and, the, and the arrangements of the songs are just so varied but you know it's dredge they all sound like dredge and that's that, that's the beauty of music it, you, you, it's meant to be expressed i mean i can deftones are a good example of a mm. band that evolve and still sound deftones and for me personally and I, a lot I, of I, that hinges on hinges on you on the singer really i guess because i, I suppose if you know singers do get too much credit in my opinion i think um oh whoa whoa there whoa is, there's <laughs> Headline. I, I expected Moss <laughs> to say that, but you. Well, of course, you know it's it's all part of being part, part part of a team, isn't it? Like my voice wouldn't sound anything like it does without Ackles music. There's something really cool that happens whenever we write together, and, and I really missed that after I left. Like I don't know, I've never met any other songwriter that I connect to more than Ackle. So I think it's very much you know it's very rare to find those relationships. And um, so, you know, full credit to Ackle. He's a fantastic songwriter. Yeah, but you got to negotiate <laughs> that deal. <laughs> what do you want me to say? Yeah, man. I'm, let, let me just light a cigar and sit and sit back. Yeah, yeah. yeah let me, let me tell you how it is, man. Singer and staff. 
That that those are the only two roles in the music business, right there. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> but you had no, to know when once things didn't work out with Ash that like I mean, who are they going to call? I mean, finding Ash was just like a nightmare for them. You knew that you had the spot if you wanted it, so that's. I mean, they're not going to go through that again unless you make them. No, of course not. We we all the, the good the good thing is is when we first started out, you know, I I played a big role with the band in establishing it and giving it its sound and breaking it, you know, into the US market. And we we slogged it out around the US and Canada in a little van uh, for, you know, two months. And you, you when you slog it out in that kind of environment, you make good bonds that will last forever if you've got the right personality. And and we have. We, we're all very different, but we have a common goal and, and, and we're good friends. And I think that always remained. So we always stayed friends and we always chatted and we, we always spoke. So when things weren't quite working out and I was in a, in a position of freedom, so to speak, relatively, um, yeah, I was never going to turn that down. Never. I, I, I never wanted to leave in the first place. So it, it was quite an easy transition to make. Yeah, they just needed to pay you more. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> because I'm the singer, bitch. That's that's how that that's how that well, conversation I went. I don't get out of bed. I don't get out of bed for less than a grand. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! The checks in the mail. Don't worry. Don't worry. We'll just send them. <laughs> so now I, I was listening to your other project that you have going with uh, with um, uh, who is it? Uh, Paul Ortiz, right? The Zeta thing. Uh, yeah, yeah. that's some interesting, interesting stuff that there, I mean, I can, I definitely, I mean, I know it's you, but completely different. Yeah. We, we had an interesting experience actually, um, because I didn't actually realize that the in brackets synth wave or retro wave genres were already so oh, yeah. oversaturated. Like yeah. it's very oversaturated. I wasn't aware of that because what I've been doing with Paul is, is quite fresh to me. I don't really listen to that type of music a lot. So there's a lot of some of the biggest names in Synthwave heard our new single and they were immediately chatting about it on Facebook. And there were some very bitchy uh, conversations going around. And I think <laughs> and I'm not going to name any names because I don't want to ruin any relationships. But wow, I thought the rock and metal community were assholes. Really? <laughs> yeah like unbelievable so it was shocking but anyway like and, and obviously i say that tongue-in-cheek because the rock and metal world are fantastic and i love everybody but you know you do see it when you go onto youtube videos and people are bitching and all oh, that yeah. kind of stuff and you know you see, it, it does it, where's the where's the where is the common decency in people these days what what is it it's just the sat behind a computer screen being brave thinking you can say what the hell you like there's a difference between opinion and being respectful and people have lost that, and it's it's so sad to see. It really is. Oh, it's really is. Sometimes it's funny. Uh, yeah, if it's not, if if it's not someone <laughs> saying that I should die, mm, yes, yeah, yeah, or, no, or, or be a dick, you know, then then fine. You know, it is funny, but there are people can overstep the mark very easily, and I think I think people forget the balance. Yeah, um, I mean, as long, as long as it's not like threatening or anything like that. I mean, I trust me, we see our fair share of bad comments. So, um, you know, <laughs> I'm sure you do. It's going around no matter what or who you are, but <laughs> you know, it's a, as long as it's not like you know that aggro weird thing that happens. It's sometimes it can be kind of hilarious. It's funny because you know you would you, you'll speak to some artists and they'll say, you know, 
I don't comment or I don't I don't read any comments. That's a lie. Like every artist will read <laughs> what what people's reactions are because that's part of your learning process. That that's part of gauging how well your material is doing is listening to people's opinions. So I guarantee whatever people write, you know, people other people are going to see artists going to see it. And it's you know it's just part 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 of being human, isn't it? You know, you want you want you want to know you're doing good. You want to see what people are saying. So, you know, I guess what I'm trying trying to say is that everyone, every everyone's human. We, we've all got feelings, and I'm being a big wussy girl by saying this. You know, but <laughs> whatever. You know, so just it, be kind and polite, people. This is this is where I, where, where I'm moving now. You know, I'm, I'm I'm getting a bit older and a bit, you know, get respectful. Come on. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, Zeta. Like like Zeta is um is a really cool project and I've I've wanted to work with Paul for absolutely ages. In fact, in 2010, just before we were going to release one, I was already like talking to Paul and actually listening to some of his um, early ideas for some chimps band stuff. But we always said like I don't want to you know be doing a chimps banner. I want to do something very different. And I think this is a good direction to go in, like with the first single we put out called Silent Waves. But um, we're already writing some really catchy stuff. And I've got to say, it's probably some of the most catchy, hooky uh, lyrics that I've I've ever written. And again, that's just another testament to the music that I'm being given. Because Katie and Paul, uh, they're, they're, they're actually partners, they're boyfriend and girlfriend. And um, Kate is a really awesome music producer and she puts out a lot of um you know new you know garage type type sounds and paul's got his retro synth sound and together it's meshed into this awesome entity so i'm hoping that it it does well i think we're going to put out an album next year for sure we've got like hours of demos so it's yeah it's exciting man yeah, very, I, very creative. I had no idea about the synthwave thing either. And it like it took a few people like bringing it to my attention going this. Wow. But see, I, I feel like I lived through that the first time around, like the, the, the new wave 80 stuff. So it's like, well, this is yeah. really weird. It feels weird inside, but <laughs> it's hard to believe that, that, that there's already a hierarchy in that community. Oh, dude. The thing is, though, it's, it's crazy because if you if you compare it to rock and metal, like there are thousands and thousands of bands producing similar sounds and different similar structures of music. But you get like a handful of these synthwave dudes and they're thinking that they're so original and they're trying to stamp out any competition. And that's a really, it's a really narrow minded kind of outlook, isn't it? That's crazy. But at the same time, it's financially necessary. Well, yeah, you know, they're trying, they're trying to kill the weeds off, you know, so that they they don't start growing in (laughs) in between all the, all the flowers. That's that's a funny way of putting it. But um, when you're a budding rose, it's, 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 it's a shame to piss on it. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. (laughs) yeah well totally agreed but yeah it's i i picture them being oh i don't know married with a two-year-old kid thinking yeah no i can't have anybody taking food from my baby (laughs) all right i've got nothing else to say on that (laughs) (laughs) well i was hoping you'd take that as an opportunity to call out some of the really bad synthwave I don't really listen to it that much, to be honest, but yeah, whatever, whatever. It's fun to do, though, right? Yeah. That's good, that's good. I've tried, I'm trying to live by my own standards, right? Like, if you know how easy it is for people to listen to music and say, that's that shit, that's crap, you know, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. Like, as a musician, I can't say that about any other music because I instantly become one of those people. 
that's criticizing some somebody else and not really understanding what they've gone through to create that music what what time have they invested in, in whatever they're doing to put it out there some people put their heart and soul into it so for me as a musician to criticize any other band in a negative light is really bad so if i don't like something my response is it's great but it's not my cup of tea Paul Simon said something along the lines of like, anytime there is a musician who's making any kind of music and there is some sort of audience that's appreciating it, if I don't appreciate it too, then that's on me and there's something wrong with me. Other people are able to see something great in it and they're better than I am. I don't know if I agree with it because I've seen plenty of bands who have nothing but morons for an audience. So, (laughs) but other than that, you know, I kind of get what he's going for. Yeah, I guess I guess it's more of like knowing, like the amount of sacrifices that I and the rest of the guys have made just to live this very extraordinary lifestyle of you know creative freedom is um, you know so much you know uh, the the three years that I was away from Tesseract, I had brushes with major record labels um, doing some quite awesome projects that that and working with some very very reputable management. And we got absolutely dumped in the trash. We were given opportunities to do all some amazing things and it all just got thrown away at the last time. So I've been to the very height of, 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 of excitement and I've been to the very pit. So I know what it takes to get where you need to be. So that's, that's another reason why if I listen to somebody, regardless of what they sound like and what, what their fan base is like, I've got to respect them as musicians, even if it's not what I like. That's just, uh, that's just how I look at it. So I always think it's amazing when I hear like, you know, people ragging on, you know, the people who are at the top of the billboard charts, you know, the Taylor Swifts, etc. Because they're doing something and they've been through some pretty awful stuff to get there. And I imagine yeah. you've got some sort of perspective. The, it, there is, um, uh, the, it is somewhat a meritocracy. The idea that, that there, these people had some sort of special talent or something that attracted large, large audiences to them. I don't buy the idea that they are just totally manufactured. No, no, not at all. And I, I agree with that because <clears throat> as a singer and as a, as a recording artist, I know how accurate how accurate you have to be behind a microphone even even before all the all, all the mixing and, and and editing and processing that vocals go through it still happens at the source so regardless of how much auto-tune goes on i know i know there are exceptions but you know t- taylor swift incredible talent you know all those yeah, artists doesn't, are, or, doesn't you know, agree <laughs> no, I actually I do agree because it's also because <laughs> you're also talking about a person or, or people who have learned uh, a lot of the people that exactly, are on the top yeah. of the board bill charts. Perspective. Well, even they, though they, they even though they may be very lucky and have a, you know a lot of backing and be part of like the major record label world and have lots of money thrown at it on a PR side, you know they've earned, you could you could argue you could argue that they've earned that. Now you do get some people that, um, for example, are. Come, come from very wealthy backgrounds and they can afford to just do what they do because they've already got the money so you know i can kind of see it swings and roundabouts but for the ones that you know have, have, have given it their everything you know all due respect regardless of what genre of music it is yeah not gonna have a whole lot of respect for you know the chloe kardashian new album or uh <laughs> or, something, or anything like that. that's not gonna take a whole lot but somebody who you know <laughs> You know, works the who has worked through the but system. But those albums almost never sell. They almost no, never sell. No, exactly. 
And I think people can see through that kind of thing. You know, it's not yeah, just a, yeah, you know, they see the, they see the quality of it and see that, that. Yeah. Yeah. So what were, what were you asked uh, to do? What kind of music were you doing? Uh, well, I was doing pop music actually. And um, I, I can't, I obviously can't, can't say too much about it, but I mean, for, for example, um, we were affiliated with a very large label. They're very interested. We got, you know, flown out to Thailand uh, to record an album in a five-star recording studio, um, and it all just fell through at the last second. You know, you can be can be put into those scenarios and very quickly have it all taken away from you, and then you're left with a, a record that you've recorded that are your songs, but they're owned by somebody else because they paid for it. So you can't release those records. So you've got to then go back to the drawing board and re-record it all. But in the process, relationships break down, lots of heartache, lots of legal battles, and it turns into a constant struggle and a battle. And eventually, it all just breaks down. And that's exactly what happened to me. Um, so I, I've seen it. I know how it works. And I know. And uh, but to be fair, I've learned from that, and it's made me stronger. And I know that I know how to deal with myself, I know how to sustain myself, even as an independent artist, how to retain an audience. So that's what I'll do until the end of my days now. And actually, as part of my, as, as part of vocal coaching, I teach this to people as well. It isn't just about learning to sing, it's about learning to cope and develop yourself as an artist and how to survive, how to talk to the industry people, how to develop your profile. So I, re- I really wish that I'd, I'd have had somebody like myself to learn from because I did it all pretty much all all myself just by meeting the right people put putting all the hard work everyone's got it good now because they can have less than me (laughs) (laughs) so you went to you had to go to thailand yeah man we went to um, did that really happen or was that really just the plot line of hangover 2 uh that is both actually (laughs) 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 that's partly why i've always been very active and i've always had lots of different projects going on partly because i wanted to survive and remain interesting as an independent singer like a collaborative singer but also to you know develop projects get fingers in pies be creative and actually develop my voice so i've involved myself in lots of different genres of music and that's kind of colored my voice if you like and it's made me a very um, I, f- I feel like a very competent singer now. Like I, I know, and that's another reason actually why I'm Polaris. The vocals are stripped back because I'm not hiding behind lots of harmonies, and I'm not hiding behind you know the music being at the forefront of it. I'm now able to step forward and deliver a solid lead vocal, and it stay and it stand out, and something that I'm personally happy with. Whereas in the past, I haven't been happy with that, and I don't, and I don't mean that to come off. Um, um, in a big-headed way, I just mean that I'm comfortable in my own skin now, and I feel confident in my own ability. And that—that's only come with like five, seven years of constant criticism, being in the studio, recording, writing, developing my own voice, and learning to be a vocal coach. So I've kind of like honed my craft, I guess. See, I told you the vocalist is the most important member of the band. He just—you <laughs> just told you told everything you you you, you said. <laughs> I only know how to talk about myself. I that's it. <laughs> no, but you're absolutely right. No, all right. So here's the question. So I found on Polaris that like the music is perhaps more 
I wouldn't say complicated, but has more easy parts layered on top of each other. All you know what I mean? Musically, but vocally, while it's not necessarily like a a, a, a hook laden vocals, there's a certain pop sensibility that's kind of going on on top of all that. Is that coming at all from some of these other musics that you're working with? Yeah, I get. I think I think it is. To be honest, I think it's something that. Um I've always been a massive fan of, of pop music and, and 80s music, and I think that's always been somewhere in the back of my head. Even though I've, um, you know, I've tried to be a little, a little bit more expressive with the vocals on this album and try to be, I don't know what, what the word I'm looking for is, but um, experimental um, and interesting. But I think in order to get a good hook, you've got to have some pop sen- sensibility. <laughs> and that's what we want. You know, we want to... We don't want to be a pop rock band. We don't want to be a pop band. But I think the more accessible we can be to people, then obviously that's going to be, you know, it'll be going to help with Tesseract's success is being heard by more people and appreciated by more people. How much does that play? How much does that play into it in your mind as far as uh, as far as that's concerned, the success of the band? I mean, other than just like for the, the, the nuts and bolts of. Uh, you know, sell, I think it's sell always in records, the back but... of my head. But for me personally, it's always in the back of my head. Like, you know, everything that I do is for the success. It's for the success of the band. I, I pray for the success of the band. I, I everything I do to develop my studio equipment and, and, and my production skills is for the benefit of Tesseract. But I, that's it's, the, it's my main focus now. So everything that I do, you know, even the success of what well, the benefit to my family and my financial situation will come from the success of Tesseract so everything I do is is for that so I'm always thinking in the back of my mind you know it would be nice to appeal to a larger demographic of people you know there are lots of successful very high profile metal bands out there so why can't we you know naturally progress into you know something like that I mean every release we've had you know the album sales have gotten better the fan base has grown there's never been a um it's never stopped growing so surely that's a good sign that we're doing something right well that's how we look at it anyway can i ask you one last question before we let you go yeah yeah sure did you have you did you ever like uh sing to anybody after you arrested them (laughs) um uh no (laughs) why not i think no actually actually once i did i did uh, deal with um, uh, a guy that um, he was uh, he, he was he was actually in a mental institution and and he'd actually escaped and um, we had to find him and um, one one of my colleagues actually told this gentleman who shouldn't really have been told because he wasn't very well that I was in a band and that I was playing a gig and um, and obviously I'd had to deal with this guy and he turned up to a show just as I was about to perform and I was on edge all the way through thinking, what is this guy going to do? Oh my word, you know, how, how am I going to deal with this? But no, he was fine, but that was a little bit nerve wracking. So that's probably the closest I've ever got to singing to somebody that I've dealt with at work. Boring story, but hey, that was the best. <laughs> oh, no, that's good. That's good. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Uh, Polaris is, uh, is out and it's awesome. Uh, so congratulations. Thank you very much. It's been a really good interview, by the way, guys. It's probably one of the best I've done so far, and I've done loads at the minute. Oh, so. Thank you. We appreciate it. Thank, th- thank you for keeping it interesting. I've really enjoyed it.
Subscribe to the Metal Sucks Podcast today.
because I know nothing makes Godless feel better inside than playing a little bit of doom metal on the podcast. I've brought some wind hand with me this time. Crypt Key is the name of the song right there from their latest album. Uh, what's it called? Um, Grease Infernal Flower. You know, people tell me that the Carter and Reagan administrations just kind of blew. It sucked. And, and I go, no, no, it shouldn't have been that bad. But then somebody plays doom metal like that. And I go, yeah, yeah, it, it, it must have sucked back then. God damn it. People paid attention to this music. God Carter and Reagan. What, oh. what now? Wait, what? what? Oh. Wow. Okay. It's, it's, Black Sabbath. Oh, God. I love it. I love the female fronted aspect of it. It, it. it it sounds good to me. It's got a. It's got nice, good, heavy riffs, and yeah. And and, and you're lucky. I just uh, punished you with the shortest song on their new record. So, yeah, <laughs> I love it. I, I, I would mean, just. Lo- I'd like it if the, if they just like somebody was able to take that groove that works. It's good. It's a good groove. But then do something in it that's new and innovative and mm. makes me go, yeah, okay, I'm gonna like. To, I, this this is something I want to pay attention to. I want to hear somebody mash Doom with something interesting instead of like you know the, the same way that black metal's been mashed up against freaking everything and anything it gets mashed up to makes that thing awesome. Well, and that's what that's what um, the the shoegaze black metal stuff is. It's basically the same exactly. thing, but just yeah, 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 on top of it instead of the singing. To take the Doom groove and put it in, you know, do something else with it. I want that, flowers now we're, in my now we're Hair, bro. I want flowers in my hair and I want gentle pastures every once in a while. It doesn't always have to be black metal and scorched earth, dude. I mean, a little bit from time to time, a little bit of beauty in our lives never hurts. And if it's doom I've, metal, it better be pig destroyer doing it. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right. Now, we talked about it in the beginning of the show. Uh, we wanted to speak about, um, well, a couple of different things. We're going to tie a couple things together here. Uh, Nabla Viscaris, uh, there's just a recent article that came out about their drummer who decided to quit his six figure job to go on tour with the band, which is kind of neat. Uh, and what was the other one we were tying together with this? It was um, oh, we're talking about Tesseract and and Daniel from Tesseract. Oh, that's who we right. Spoke with yeah, talking about how he you know he's making uh, he's got a hundred pounds in his you know which is British pounds in his bank account and you know he made more money as a cop. Yeah, and and to, and we've talked to a lot of people. I mean, obviously we're we're a hundred and twenty some odd episodes in. We've talked to a lot of different band members about their you know financial situations and where they are and how it is you know being able to quit that job and move on and it's really it's really kind of strange when you talk to somebody like chuck billy or zetra souza who are still doing their construction jobs or training jobs or trucking jobs and they're in one of the i i I would call them almost a-list metal bands and then some of these guys that are just starting out and they've got really good livings going on and deciding to go, fuck it, let's go, let's go, let's go and play. That's that's some brave shit right there. Well, I think it's awesome. I see this the bands all the time. If and you know, this is sort of for wind hand as well. If you don't think that you are doing something super mega awesome, like just absolutely crucial that people need to hear. If you don't think you're doing it, stop. Stay in your basement and keep on working until you are doing something crucial. Now, Nea Bliviscaris and Tesseract, those guys believe they are doing something that's crucial, that needs to be heard, that needs to get out there. It needs to happen. And they're the only ones who can do it, goddammit. And they're willing to put their money where their mouth is. And I think that that's freaking awesome. Well, I mean, is that uh, so there's the question, though. 
is that being smart, being brave, or being completely and utterly stupid about the way the industry is nowadays? Because you can't. Who's going to make a living making heavy metal? Oh, they're martyring themselves for us. It's fantastic. So <laughs> who doesn't want to see that? And that's what I'm saying. It's like, well, so in the end, I mean, it's, I mean, they're kind of in a sort of unique situation because they are, you know, from Australia. So they're, they're isolated when it comes to being able to tour, you know, the, yeah. the, the touring routes through Taiwan and, <laughs> and the Philippines are a little rough these days. So I think that it's kind of hard to to get a good tour going from there without really taking months and months and months and months off. You know, in the States, you can take three weeks off, do a tour of the East Coast, and you're you're all the way from Maine all the way down to Florida, and and you've covered every major market on the East Coast. But you can't really do that if you're an Australian man. You've got to you've got to take off and go. So, I mean, it really you have to be you have to quit your job, really, if you want to do something in the States or in Europe or wherever or else you're you're kind of screwed. You just can't do it for three weeks at a time. It doesn't make sense. If you really take yourself seriously, I think Nail Blivascaris probably ought to think about moving to Germany or something. I mean, really. I mean, it's just there's no just no way. Just the cost of freaking flying out of Australia with all of your gear is too, it's just too much it's just too much you're giving up you're giving up your two months rent in order to fly you know and that doesn't make any sense at all well because they so, they crowdfunded that tour and they got about 86 or ninety thousand dollars something like that to crowdfund a tour awesome. which is great you know but you got to figure that they spent every fucking dime of that money just getting to where they're going not not even thinking about like merch and all the other stuff to, that goes along i mean some of that probably had to go toward that but really you got to think a lot of that was just travel, you know, from place to place. Little did we know that the drummer put in 85 of the $86,000 huh. I've been raised. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I, so I don't know. I don't know if it's a smart decision for him to, to, to quit his job or if it's like, um, you, know, you know, it's. Oh, you, you, you got to do it. I mean, you just got to do it. You got to. You, you, if you think you're doing something awesome, you've got to just take the chance because you're going to spend the rest of your life wondering what if. He's going to be sitting True. on that stupid train going between Sydney and what other city there is in Australia. I have no idea. <laughs> Brisbane. <laughs> Brisbane. Okay. So he's on this train going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth from Sydney to Brisbane thinking, you know what? I could have been like the biggest export that Australia's had since ACDC. Yeah. But no, instead I'm going to stand here on this train and yeah. Okay. I can feed my wife. I can feed my kids and all that sort of thing. But you know, screw that. He probably doesn't have any kids. He probably doesn't have a wife. Now it's the time to do it. Go do it. Make your life happen, man. You got one life to live. And as Frank Watkins probably would have turned around and told you, you better go live it because there's no guarantee that you're going to survive another day. Oh, man. No, you got to bring that up. That's sad. <laughs> it oh, is sad. Man. But you know what? Frank had the he had a freaking That's great true. life. You that know what true. I mean? He, he did. He followed, he followed what he wanted to do, you know, and, and stuck with it. So, I mean, you know, it was good. Yeah. But the dude could walk into any metal bar anywhere in the world somebody's gonna buy him drinks and tell him how awesome he is now doesn't everybody want that to happen for the rest of their life well, i could see that but I, I mean i don't know dude that you know hundred fifty thousand dollar job that's pretty uh, that's yeah I, I would try to find a way to do it uh, you know and uh, you know i would try to find a way to make that shit work it's like okay can we tour for three months can i get a fill-in drummer for a month can i do is it like this i would I'm sure try to find i would try to find a way to make that shit work because because, you know, that's 
that's i mean that's a that's that's your life that's that's not just a career i mean that's your livelihood and and we all know that that the what you make in metal these days is getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller when you've got now every single a-lister metal dude that is squawking about how shitty their royalty checks are and how little they're making from streaming and how little they're making and it's all about touring and it's the only place where you can even break even half the time i mean this seems like a uh, like you know a pipe dream in some ways and i gotta give it to him i gotta i gotta hand it to him he's got balls of steel to be able to to even you know do it but but dude 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 i don't i don't know is it really balls of steel i mean it's like he knows that when he walks into the practice room for any night for the next few years like he doesn't have to take any shit from the rest of the guys you know what i mean they left their burger king jobs or i wonder a real job or i wonder if like the rest of the guys are like dude you're a fucking idiot dude what did you do that for you funded everything we've done so far what if (laughs) he was paying for the house they were living in what the fuck man you know it's uh, if i'm him i'm like yeah tell me about it again while you're loading my gear into the next gig (laughs) (laughs) it's like i'm gonna take my leftover cash and hire a roadie just so i don't have to carry my (laughs) shit anymore (laughs) Uh, yeah i don't know dude and i mean when you hear guys like uh, like dan talk about how it's more lucrative for him to be a police officer and you know that the police officer wage whether it's in britain or if it's in the states or wherever is pretty a pretty median wage uh you know it's it's fairly average is what i'm saying you know it's not it's not high it's not low but it's eh, you know what i'm saying it's like comfortable it's comfortable but you know it's not you get upward, a nice retirement plan yeah, it's not upwardly mobile and just to hear to hear the struggle that they've got you know with where where they're at now but then hear the joy in his voice of what he's doing at the same time you know when we talk to him it's like okay all right i kind of get it i guess i get it you know like what you're saying it's like you will you wonder the rest of your fucking life if you if if i would have could have should have and you never know you know and that's at least he can say that i did a fucking world tour and came back and now i'm driving the train or i'm driving an ice cream truck i mean there's no guarantee (laughs) the train's waiting for him you know yeah but yeah it's not only that though it's it's it really is it's just this you 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 don't life is so freaking short it just really really is and i don't i am not a fan of sitting back and waiting for something to happen and if you're on that train you know how that works you stand there going well maybe it will get discovered and maybe we'll get the right kind of deal and maybe something will happen and he's like you know what screw that man i'm gonna go out and i'm gonna make it happen I'm gonna make it happen, and that I think is inspiring, and it's it, it's awesome, and it's something that all of us should should uh, uh, aspire to. And and the, the thing too is like you know then to talk about Watkins again, it's like when Frank Watkins became the bassist of Obituary, it was like they were getting handed a deal from Roadrunner that by today's standards was like you know we're digging a pool, man. This is yeah. this, isn't it? nowadays there there is none there's nothing there's nothing there's no guarantee there's spotify stiffing you for 23k that's that's not there's nothing for you but that's okay because you know you'll survive with when you're a band that you believe in as strongly as he believes in his you will figure out a way to survive well and i guess that's the question is that you really have to believe in what the fuck you're doing you know, and I don't care whether or not you think you're doing something better than anybody else or you think your shit don't stink and it, it needs to be heard. 
But you, if nothing else, you have to believe that it's the best thing. That that you've got to believe it, and you've got to yeah. totally own it. Because I mean, countless members. You know, when we talk to people who have left bands, or talk to members who have dropped, or talk to bands who have dropped members over the years. And most of the time, what what does it? You know, it's like they want to they they can't deal with the lifestyle anymore. They can't deal with the touring. They can't deal. You know, they want to have a family. They want to. It's not even about settling down. It's about being able to maintain that and and get getting kind of out of the lifestyle. And this, I you know, being where he's at, you know, I guess young enough, ready to go, and it's it's. It, it's brave. It really is brave. And it says a lot about what he thinks about Nabla Vascaris. Now, when they kick him out of the band, that's really going to suck. So, you know, it's like. <laughs> <laughs> I put that on YouTube. I want to tune into that. When he shows up and all of his drums are sitting outside <laughs> the garage. Oh, That'd be hilarious. <laughs> damn it. Oh, but dude, really, like, 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 I can picture, like, you know, the person listening to this this podcast is probably like, oh, my band's really good. I'm going to quit my job, too. And I'm not. If you've got it in the back your head that like yeah but we haven't really been able to write the right kind of chorus yet or yeah well you know we sent in our stuff and i don't leave he hates it <laughs> or well you know, who, you was, know, who was it that you, said that if you have a backup plan then you're not really in a band who was it that said that that was john john paul from clutch that's right if you so if you've got a plan b then uh, you might a. as well uh, make it your plan a yeah so and you did and I, you did you disagreed with that well, I disagree with it only in that the only people you hear that from are the people who <laughs> who their plan A worked, you know? Well, well <laughs> that's true, but they everybody made, else everybody else is like like man, I made my plan B my plan A, my plan A fell apart and now But, but this is exactly driving an ice cream but this truck. is exactly what he's talking about with Nabla Vascaris yes. is that is that these guys, you know, he just he just committed career suicide. By ditching probably what is a probably a public sector job uh, as a train driver that was making six figures, it's like that that he just forget it. It's done. It's it's over. You know, and because he just made his plan B his plan A. You know, it's like sorry, this is what I'm got to do. This is my plan A, and our music is our plan A, and that is exactly what John Paul was talking about with that. And if you don't do that, at least part of the time with whatever project it is then you, you might be fucked. Well, I'll tell you, Tesseract and Nail Scars, as far as I'm concerned, are two bands that people should be introduced to. You should listen to them. They are doing amazing things. They are trying to push the envelope. They are important to this scene. And I'm so glad to see that, like, you know, the vote of confidence that they're putting in themselves. It's fantastic to see. But I see a lot of B and C level bands that are really damn good, but probably not making any money because they haven't gotten any popularity or haven't gotten a lot of movement. And, you know, it's like for those guys, if this is a plan A, they're fucking starving. You know, yeah. well, that might be true of Neoblivascaris, you know, I mean, possibly. I mean, they're not headlining festivals, you know, they're 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 lucky if they're playing at three in the afternoon and in the European festivals. But if you put a call out to your fans, and you make ninety thousand dollars to do a tour. That's pretty good. It is. Oh, hell yeah. I mean, granted, that's not a lot of money per person in the band because there's like 30 members of that band. But but still, <laughs> uh, you know, they might have to make a little more than the average Joe. But I mean, I, I, I think that I think it's really interesting that, that, that they chose to do it this way in a time when we see 
the see the industry kind of coming down as far as the pay grades go. You know, it's I, there are more bands than ever. So that could be, you know, and we all and there have been talked about what is contributing to that. And, you know, it's all oh, it's no, it's streaming's killing fucking music. Oh, the industry's killing music. Oh, the fucking radio's killing me. The, every, the, everything's got everything stacked against it. But really, in the end, what we do know is that bands are making less money now than they ever have and have to work harder for what they're what they're getting than they ever have. It seems to be one of those times when you go, I don't know if this is a great idea. It might need to be my plan B, but I, I, I don't know. Well, I guess time will tell whether or not this is a good decision for him. It's going to be a great decision. I don't think that there's any room for regrets, and I don't think that he should have any because at the end of the day, he's going to have a boatload of experiences that, like, you know, for the rest of his life, he can sit at that uh, bar somewhere in Australia and tell everybody sitting at the bar about that crazy, uh, you know, that crazy woman in, in, you know, in some obscure country that none of those people have ever been to. And, you know, the, the, the night that, you know, the van broke down next to blah, blah, blah. You know, all those are stories that everybody's going to be on the edge of their seat to hear and this guy's going to have them and you can't put a price on that mm, true 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 not all to right, mention right, fuck you it, know he's fuck probably it. a single dude he's going to meet like you know some hot chick in belgium and you know he's going to fall in love for the rest of his life and then quit the band and you know that he would have never have met that person if he hadn't done what made the decision they made uh, fuck it. I'm making the podcast plan A. I'm done. I'm quitting my job. I'm out of here. Uh, <laughs> fuck this. Uh, we're done. Uh, all right. We're going balls out. Fucking world please. tour, baby. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of this, is it Wednesday? Wednesday. This yep. Wednesday in Austin, Texas at the Empire Control Room and Garage, 5 p.m. Super early. Five-ish. Metal Sucks yeah. podcast. Yeah. Metal Sucks podcast. It's rock and roll time. Metal Sucks <laughs> podcast with Chuck and Godless live recording with super super special guest uh metal god max cavalera it's gonna be fantastic yeah it's gonna be cool they're gonna be doing the uh the big show with soil work outside and then we're gonna we're gonna duck inside right after the doors open and uh and do a little bit of live podcasting with uh with max and get to hang out a little bit maybe do a little bit of audience q a there so yeah if you're in austin make sure you slip on by and uh and come to that show at the empire control room and garage and then make sure that you are subscribed to this podcast and all that good stuff on itunes or stitcher or wherever you get your podcast you can uh you can find yes. it just search metal sucks podcast and you can uh, join up subscribe uh, subscribe so that you can get it right to your device and you don't even have to worry about uh, worry about picking it up it'll come right to you that's a good thing or of course you can get it every monday at metalsucks.net that's when we post it. And while it's there, also be sure to leave us a speak pipe right at the bottom of every post we do. You can uh, talk about the topic that we're talking about right now. You can talk about whether or not we need to make this podcast our plan A. Uh, you can talk about uh, uh, anything, a topic starter, something that you're interested in want to hear us talk about, or uh, topic starters, anything like that. Feel free to leave us those messages. We appreciate it. And also, you can communicate with us on social media. On Twitter, I am at Bearded Ape. I am at Godless Speaks, and Facebook's Godless Speaks. And you can also hook us up, uh, you know, if you want to, if you want to throw some money at us, that'd be good to help us, uh, you know, out to patreon.com slash Chuck and Godless or Chuck and uh, We would appreciate that as well. So thank you to all of our patrons so far. Thank you to Dan Tompkins for being yes. our guest this week. And thank yes. you. Thank you. I love you, Godless. I do. I'm going <laughs> to, I'm going to see him this week uh, for the first time in months. Uh, you, you're coming, you're coming into town. It's going to be crazy. So that's right. This That's is, right. I, I'll, 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 I'll have to, you know, 
put on some perfume or some shit for you, man. It's going to be good times. <laughs> All right. Till next week, I'm Chuck. I'm Godless. And this is the Metal Sucks Podcast. Metal Sucks.